Bum, 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 bum. Greetings, Gryffindors, Slytherins, Hufflepuffs, Ravenclaws, and those who have yet to make up their minds. I'm Molly. And I'm Alex. And this is Potter Watch. So we decided to start Potter Watch because we are both longtime fans of Harry Potter. So I know for me, the first time I read the Harry Potter books was when my mom read them out loud to my sister and I, and she read the first one out to us when I think I was around like seven or eight. So I just always remember that, her reading that out loud, and then I just got like hooked, watched the first movie, was scared to death, but still <laughs> continued to yes. read the books. Um, yeah, similar. My mom read the first one to me. She's still very proud of that fact. She's always bragging about how she started this obsession that I have. Um, and I guess after the first one, um, when I was little, I was, I'm dyslexic, so I didn't like to read. I really only liked to be read to. And my mom told me that she wasn't going to read me the second book, that I had to read it for myself. And that was what really got me into Harry Potter because I was so obsessed with it that I made myself read it. Yeah, I think my mom might have read the second one out to us too, but at some point I like surpassed her and my sister and I would read ahead and like we'd go to the midnight book um, premieres after I think the fifth one came out and like I would get to read it first and then my sister and my mom would read it. But um, yeah, so we both have been fans for a long time. Um, so we just finally decided to talk about it on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Might just be for us, but hopefully some people will be listening. Yeah, hopefully you like it. Definitely our friends better like it. That's a warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's just jump right in with the first chapter. So basically the concept of what we're doing is um, we'll go through each book chapter by chapter and we're going to discuss in depth what each chapter is talking about, how we felt about it. Yeah, we've got some like fun games to play. Um, we actually both listened to the audiobook. I've actually listened to the audiobook like probably more times than I've read the book because I love Jim Dale. Um, so we want to incorporate some clips and things like that to kind of keep it interesting. Keep it fresh. And Alex just listened to the audiobooks. Yeah, I had only read read them like a thousand times and I just graduated and I started a new job and I was like, oh, I have a really long commute. How do I make this better? And I listened to all of them on audiobook for like my first month of driving and it was amazing and I refell in love with them and there were a lot of highway cries. <laughs> And I've pretty much been telling Alex to listen to the audiobooks since I met her, and we realized that we both love Harry Potter, and I was like, you have to listen to the audiobook, and she's like, uh, okay, whatever, and then finally, <laughs> like, four years later, <laughs> I listened, and I love them, and I admit I was wrong. Like we said, we're starting with the first chapter of the first book, which um, we're going to give you a small synopsis, just so you know what we're talking about, because we're going to be jumping around a lot. You start out with Mr. Dursley. He's going to work. You see his mundane life. Then it goes quickly into McGonagall as a cat and her talking to Dumbledore about everything that's happening in the Wizarding World. And it ends with Hagrid bringing Harry and them leaving Harry on the Dursley's doorstep. So the first chapter, The Boy Who Lived, um, I wish that 
before, when I was rereading it this time, I was just thinking like more in depthly, and I was just thinking I wish that this chapter had come back at the end of the books, and like they had named a chapter "The Boy Who Lived." Oh, like, like the la- like the chapter at the end of the series. Oh yes, 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 yes. I sorry, I thought you meant at yeah. the end of this. No, book. no. Um, yeah. Which I guess that should we should also say that there will be spoilers. Yeah, sorry. Um, we feel as if we can't talk about the things that we really love about it without talking about things that happen later. So if you haven't read any of the books, this is probably not for you. Yeah, I mean, I think we both agree that J.K. Rowling is like brilliant and just laid these beautiful foreshadows. Maybe intentionally, maybe not. That's probably something we'll debate. Yeah. But, um, but can't we're... really talk about the book without thinking about things that are going to happen in the future. And the first thing I thought of was, like, that one of those last chapters should have been called The Boy Who Lived, I think. Yeah. But whatever. Maybe the chapter after he dies. Yes. Perhaps. <laughs> per, per chance he lived. <laughs> one of the things I really, that stood out to me about this chapter was um, that it's such a strange way to start a children's book because it doesn't have any children in it, Really, like the main, he doesn't have Harry in it. It doesn't even have Dudley in it. Well, he's like a baby. He's a child. You know what I'm, yeah. like he yeah. can't, like he, you're not, not in, a character, yeah, you're yeah. not in Harry's point of view yet. You're in the point of view of like a curmudgeon old adult and then Dumb- and then McGonagall's point of view, which when McGonagall and Dumbledore come in in this chapter, it starts to get more magical. But I think to really grip a child's attention, it's like a strange way to start the book. And I appreciate it as an adult because it sets the world. It's really the... But yeah, for a child, it's really kind of a boring It's a first boring chapter. first chapter for a kid's But book. I do just want to take a moment and play one of my like favorite quotes. They were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. I just think that's like such a funny line from yeah. the book. Like, perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Yes. And it's just one of my favorites. There's another one in the... Fr- um, that's another thing that I love about these books is the narrator is so sassy and it feels like I'm talking like JK Rowling is watching this world. I know that sounds weird, but her she's her, like the one narrating at least this chapter because later on it's Harry's point of view. Well, like limited Harry's point of view, but um yeah, I agree. I, I feel like it's her just trying to like yeah, judge the Dursleys. Yeah, there's one Oh, it's when Dumbledore first um it's when uh Hagrid first comes in and they're describing him and the description like is clearly from an outsider's point of view because Dumbledore and McGonagall have seen Hagrid they've met Hagrid before so when J.K. Rowling as narrator author is like He's just so big. It shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, I always laugh because I just think that's, it's so cute. It's such good narration. And another thing when I was rereading this was I just love this whole chapter about the Dursleys. Like I, the Dursleys are like the worst, but I love this description of them. And I wish it had been included in the movies, just like showing their little mundane life of Mr. Dursley going to work at Grunnings. Like, yeah, that's see, so that's, funny. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like I appreciate this chapter so much more as an adult than I do as a child. Cause even like the, they have a secret that happens, that, that little quote, like, um, and the Dursleys, they're perfectly normal, but they have this secret and they would rather, 
and not anyone find out about it. Like, it's so much delayed. Like, you're like, oh, what's the secret? Like, it's clearly about magic because you know you're going into Harry Potter. But what is it? And I feel like kids just don't pick up on that. Yeah, because the first time you're reading, you probably wouldn't pick up on that because you don't find out about Harry being a wizard until I think it's the fifth book, The Keeper of the Keys. Mm-hmm. So you you know that something's up, but you don't know what it is. And I love her ability to write mystery, which I'm sure is why she decided to write that mystery series. But I think that especially the first couple books are definitely like mysteries. Like yeah. Chamber of Secrets, trying Chamber to figure Secrets. out who it is. Yeah. yeah. And she's really good at writing it. And she's really good at writing it without having unnecessary like ooh gotcha moments like it's you genuinely are trying to figure it out the whole time it's and, subtle and yeah. the the red herrings I guess are are not like oh wow you just lied to me you blatantly put this obstacle in our place uh, we'll be talking about red herrings I've got one of my own um, in Diagon Alley chapter <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> um, so one thing I'm just going through the book right now, and I just needed to pull out this quote because for a long time I had misunderstood this whole thing, so I'm just going to play it. A cat reading a map. For a second, Mr. Dursley didn't realise what he had seen, and then he jerked his head around to look again. There was a tabby cat standing on the corner of Privet Drive, but there wasn't a map in sight. So for a long time, I just thought that the cat was like reading like a sign because I think they say she was reading a sign later, Mm -hmm. but I never even thought that it was like a paper map until I read the illustrated version of the first book and it shows the cat having like an actual paper map. And I was like, oh my God, that's so obviously like that's what the cat was reading. (laughs) But this whole time I'm thinking it's like a tube map or something like that, like like a bus map and I it's like a small thing but it's just something like I feel like I pick up new things every time I read these books even though I've read them or listened to them so many times now humble brag um she has that illustrated version because I purchased it for her <laughs> as a graduation gift truth it's also beautiful I don't we're not being paid to advertise that but we version. will take money to advertise it yes it's beautiful and they just came out with chamber of secrets so now I guess we're in the book where like Mr. Dursley's like seeing people in like cloaks and things like that and I just had a question while I was reading this does Mr. Dursley hate the the cloaks and stuff because of magic because he knows about it or does he um, hate it just because he just hates things that are weird? In when I'm listening to this or reading it, I I interpret it to mean that it's he hates things that are out of the usual. And I also think that at this point in Mr. Dursley's life, he hasn't come into contact with any wizards. He just like I feel like Petunia just gave him an overview. This is what is my family's dark secret, and they didn't talk about it much. You know what I'm saying? So do you think he met? He must have met Lily and James, though. Yeah, but they don't take... I don't take them for people who are, like, wearing cloaks. Like, especially Lily, who was not raised in... Which, that just calls into question, like, we need a flashback of Vernon Dursley learning about magic for the first time. (laughs) 
It also brings into question the rules of this world. See, here's what I don't understand. It seems as if, like, young, and this could just be because the books do it, I mean, the movies do it this way, and I've just accepted this as truth. Like, when do you transition from you're a child wearing um, your school uniform to, because, like, the Weasley children don't wear robes when they're just hanging around they wear the like burrow. Sweaters, they wear, like, muggle clothes. Jumpers. But they, like, don't... But in the books, they're, like... they Wizards apparently have no idea how a muggle dresses. Yeah, I don't... That's a good point, but I think that might be the movies doing that more. Yeah. But I do think that they are showing that young people in general can, like, pick things up better because I think they talked about... How the Weasley kids can, yeah. I mean that makes sense. I'm just confused. Like Mrs. Weasley, like buys makes them the sweaters every year. Are they wearing those sweaters with like what does wizard pants look like? That they are so confused by jeans. I know because the whole Wizarding World Cup thing, and no one knows how to dress. Yeah, it's just like it's a quirky thing about the world, which I think is really cute. But I also don't know. I feel like we don't see enough of the wizarding people wearing their robes or when we do it's not really discussed very much i don't have a good image of what that looks like i always think that wizards like just don't have common sense and i think that's like mostly showcased by ron <laughs> just like not having common sense about and harry too who grew up in a muggle maybe that's like a boy it's thing. just boys hermione Gender definitely doesn't exist, has uh <laughs> Hermione definitely has common sense, but... um, That also could just be, like, a Hermione thing. I feel like I didn't have very much common sense when I was 11 through 22. But, I mean, even, like, the adults, they just don't think about muggle things at all. I'm like, but you live among muggles. Yeah, why... Okay, first of all, I think a lot... I mean, I guess, technology aside, um, because technology doesn't work with magic, okay, good. Uh, smart JK Rowling, now we can have nobody having a cell phone. Great. But why doesn't Harry, like, pull out a pen? He's always, like, dipping his quill in ink, and every time I'm like, that must be annoying. You use pencils on a daily basis when you're home. Yeah, you never hear about him comparing Hogwarts to his own life before, which I kind of like because it just pulls you into, into that the world. world. Yeah. But for us mere mortals, we want to know every comparison like possible and this is funny because i i had this a similar conversation with my friend last night where she was like um she doesn't buy the american hogwarts stuff because the uh, the culture of england uh, or the uk apologies and uh america are so different that she's just like it just wouldn't work the first way she was like the same way she was like american uh students weren't gonna use a quill and ink they weren't going to like give up their cell phones like america figured out years ago how to do magic with technology and she was also she was making the argument that american wizards would not be able to keep contained their magic like they would just do it all over the place and people would just ignore it you know what I'm saying? Maybe. I could also see like wizards even in America just being their own culture and the Yeah. I guess maybe you're speaking more to like muggleborns in the American yeah. world. I guess I guess her point was and I'm not saying I just it was just an interesting point that she brought up of culture. I guess she was saying that muggle the wizard community in America because in 
JK's mind, uh, she brought the wizard community, wizard culture from Europe to America. So she's saying that the American culture would have seeped in and the line between muggle-borns and wizards would be almost in nothing. You know what I'm saying? It would be more like the cultures combined. Yeah, I know I get what you're saying. Um, That also just makes me think like in this beginning chapter, they're talking about all these guys in cloaks around. I'm like, since when are there so many wizards in the muggle world? Like, why are they all on the street? I know they're celebrating and everything, but why are they just like randomly out on the street? I think this is another world question because technically there are only like two wizard only places in Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. Yeah, which doesn't make sense because I feel like it'd be overcrowded all the time. Well, I guess it is described as over. Well, Hogsmeade's not as much. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I just feel like the. Where are they all living? I guess you can. Like, Sirius lives in between two muggle, right. like, apartments. And, like, the Weasleys and the Love Goods, they all, in the Diggories. They just live, of. I guess, in off, off, yeah. off Which, places. Again, well, I. UK. There's, I feel like there's more countryside, but really the United States has a lot of countryside in the Midwest and things like that. I just, we're from Maryland, so I think of it very yeah. condensed and don't see where wizards could hide. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. We might be looking too much into Too much this. into it. We should just, um, it's a magical world. Everyone's happy. We accept you, J.K. Rowling, and all of the world you created. Yeah, just <laughs> disclaimer, we love these books. We're going to be... We're nitpicking, but because we love them. Yeah. Um, so another little quote I just wanted to say was Mr. Dursley referring to Petunia's sister. And he says if he'd had a sister like that. Yes. But, like, that's such a subtle hit to his own sister who we're going to meet in the third oh. book. Oh, yeah, his sister that he loves. Who is so awful, like... And he just thinks that Lily, sweetest person, I'm assuming, don't get enough Lily action, but just so, I just thought that was a little funny. I don't know if she was already thinking about uh, Dear Marge or not, but I just thought that was maybe a little I I had not even thought about Marge, so I think that's such a funny... I was deep cuts. Deep cuts. (laughs) Ugh. Um, which I'm just going to talk about Mr. Dursley the whole time. Although this, the first half of the chapter is pretty focused on Vernon. Yeah. It just follows him. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, like, he's not that dumb. Like, he's kind of smart. And I think that this maybe showcases it a little bit. Mr. Dursley sat frozen in his armchair, shooting stars all over Britain, owls flying by daylight. Mysterious people in cloaks all over the place, and a whisper, a whisper about the Potters. Yeah, I just think he's, like, putting it all together, and, I mean, Vernon's kind of portrayed as a blundering idiot, kind of, like, later on, but he, he, like, knows what's up, and obviously he knows about magic, so he's, like, kind of paranoid, but I think... Not everyone would kind of put that together, just those couple of things. I also think this is such a good way to foreshadow how Harry is going to be treated in this in this world. Like, it sets up the Dursley family so well. Like, they're such prominent characters in my mind of this book. And you really only get to see them for, like, the first 
chapter maybe? Ch- chapter or in two the rest of, the books. of each book. And Definitely. but they're characterized so well. I really like it, and I think it's like you said, going back, I really like reading this chapter and just getting that background on the Dursleys. Um, and then we kind of get more on Petunia in the seventh book. Um, and this is more about Vernon. I mean, I don't see him having that interesting of a childhood. Like, I don't need to know. Oh, I love <laughs> when you get to know more about um, Petunia. I think it doesn't redeem her at all. Right. If anything, it sort of, you know, it makes me be like, oh, gosh, you're so petty. But um, I think it's such an interesting way to do why she's so bitter this whole time. Like, her writing letters to Hogwarts, asking her to get in. It's so sad. It's sad. I would do that if I, because I'm so obsessed with all that uh, magic and the supernatural. If I had a sibling, like, if my brother got into Hogwarts and I did it, I would be so upset. I would be pissed. I'd be miserable. And that would cloud the way I grew up. I would be... I would be angry towards them also. Yeah. Like just resentful. But, um, so just another thing that I think is a little different about this chapter in particular is, as we were talking about earlier, the narrator is more involved. And there's one thing that really popped out to me that doesn't really come up again in, like, later books or even later chapters. He couldn't see how he and Petunia could get mixed up in anything that might be going on yawned and turned over. It couldn't affect them. How very wrong he was. Like, who knows that he's wrong? (laughs) Like, who's saying that? Which I know it's different because later on we're getting only what Harry knows, but can you imagine if that narrator was later on? It's like, but who knows? Sirius couldn't really be in the Department of Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the where the reader would know ahead of time. I think this is unique maybe to this chapter. I can't remember if it comes up later. It might come up in like uh, the, chap- the chapter in the sixth book, the way they started. The ministers. The, the ministers. Right. Um, and it might come up in those beginning chapters that are usually not. Separate. Yeah. But even in those... It follows a very specific person. Like, ministers follow the different ministers, and um, whatever the chapter is where you meet, where Snape is talking to Narcissa, is that also right. in the sixth? You're, fo- you're in... Um, Narcissa's, right? Well, because you follow Bellatrix and Narcissa. Yeah, you're in Narcissa's point of view. So it's just... She's very clear that she wants to do, like, point of view. So I think you're right. This is unique to... This it's, chapter. It's also a transition because it's going from where Dursley. Dursley's to Dumbledore and McGonagall. Yeah. And the McGon and it's McGonagall's point of view. I also think that transition is so pretty. Do you have it? We can just read it. Where he okay, so anyway, I'll describe it. The cat you you go from Mr. Dursley looking at McGonagall outside the window, and then she flows really like sneakily into being like and then the cat thought this and you immediately go into McGonagall's point of view which I thought it was all from Dumbledore's point of view kind Mm -mm. of because she calls it and this is something I noticed this time and not the other times she calls it a put outer and Dumbledore knows it's a deluminator so she she like is the one doing it because she's never seen this object before so she's describing things like 
I'm not really, I kind of think it's just omniscient because it says a man appeared on the corner the cat had been watching. So it's kind of talking about both of them from above. That's true. Um, but still, I, I'm glad you brought this up because, again, just going to gush on J.K. Rowling and her like ability to just describe things. And her description of Dumbledore, I think, just pegs him so well that the movies definitely were never able to capture, especially perhaps the second Dumbledore. <laughs> We sh- we shan't linger on that. I'm sure I'll, it'll uh, come up again at it Goblet will of most Fire. Definitely come up. Um, but this is the description. He was tall, thin, and very old, judging by the silver of his hair and beard, which were both long enough to tuck into his belt. He was wearing long robes, a purple cloak that swept the ground, and high-heeled buckled boots. His blue eyes were light, bright, and sparkling behind half-moon spectacles, and his nose was very long and crooked, as though it had been broken at least twice. This man's name was Albus Dumbledore. Yeah, so I just love it. I love her descriptions, and that's just, like, one example, obviously. And Dumbledore is just such an important character throughout the books, and I think that introduction... And it maintains through every book. She always describes the twinkling eyes and the broken nose. Twice the broken. Half, the half-moon spectacles that right. he's peering over. Right. Yeah. Never can really capture that because it's just... I mean, obviously a book it, is different. Yeah, and it's, she's described, which is I feel like was hard for all the actors. And first Dumbledore, I'm not trying to hate on second Dumbledore, but first Dumbledore, he really... I think he captured it more is... There's this, like, fun-loving, just, like, old man thing that he captures. He's just, he's, like, little mischievous. I think he captures the tenderness of Dumbledore, but I always question whether Richard Harris would have been able to do, like, the sixth book. Yeah. And being able to go and get a See, I agree. I don't think he would have been able to do that. I wanted, but I didn't want Michael Gambit, or Gambin. Yeah. I wanted, um, I don't, like somebody else yeah it was just it's hard because Dumbledore is so complex he's so it's such a hard part to play because Dumbledore present is so opposite of Dumbledore in the past he's like very fun loving he has all these quirky little like his passwords are always like he's in lemon drops yeah he's into sweets and he's goofy and he has that line he's also like a badass yeah even in like the later books yeah but it's like when he gets angry it like triggers that old version of himself and for the greater good and it's all it's hard i feel like for an actor to play that because you don't because you never see the in-between that got him to that place you only see especially because he's not the main character right and he's like a hundred something years old like 150 so it's like you have so much time that you have to make up for and in between years like 50 and uh 70 is when i feel like that change happened right totally agree So do you have any, um, I mean, I have some more notes, but I didn't want to step on your toes if you had anyone to bring up. Oh, well, what about, like, was, why was McGonagall sitting on that stoop all day? Like, there was no reason for it. I thought about this, too. This is in my notes, too. And I have reasoned that it's because McGonagall's smart. Like, she'd heard these rumors, and so I think she knew 
that this is where the family would be. Well, I think that maybe she and Dumbledore had agreed to meet there later, but why did she have to be because there? Because I think she was watching because oh, she had he heard that the rumors that... The and he does say fancy seeing you here so it wasn't like they had planned it yeah, yeah but i think she so had heard smart. the rumors and was like okay this is their live their only living relative i'm sure she i mean she's a uh, second principal and she of the knows school. lily and james yeah so. so i'm sure she just did her little mcgonagall research and was like i need to check out who's gonna be looking after she knows what's up speaking of the stoop I've decided to add a little segment to this. Uh-oh. Yes, I've decided to add a segment, which I think is necessary as we continue through these books. It is the Dumbledore child neglect sec- segment. Why Woof. is he? We're going to count them, and I'm going to see. First of all, this child has just escaped death, and you have decided to leave him on a stoop. You're like, oh, when they wake up in the morning and find the baby. Hope he doesn't cry it's, in the middle of the night or get n- hungry. It's night. Like, you're just going to leave. Even if he wasn't being haunted by the darkest wizard of all time, which you, Dumbledore, yourself don't believe is fully dead. And he didn't have hundreds of followers. Even if this was a normal baby, you can't just leave them outside in the cold. I My note is, is he cold? Um, Why didn't we ring a doorbell? Well, it is July. Why didn't we ring a doorbell? Or No, it's October. It's October 31st or November 1st. So, yeah, it's like winter. Yeah. Is he going to get eaten alive by mosquitoes? What's happening, Any Dumbledore? Other animal? You um, could have rang the doorbell. Maybe, That's what's funny. Maybe he had Mrs. Fig's cats on it. You know, she's still living there. Or maybe she had just been placed there. Or, like, why couldn't have McGonagall spent the whole night there as a cat? But she leaves. She did. They leave that baby there. And I'm sitting here like, this is the mo- This is such foreshadowing to the neglect of the rest of the series. Like, who did this? Who was like, oh, yeah, the baby, we left him on the doorstep all night. It says in the morning when they wake up, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Durst Screams. <laughs> will scream. <laughs> Understandable, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> But, oh, that reminds me, I'm so glad you read this up, because if Dumbledore was going to, you know, sacrifice him, he couldn't have given him a little better of a childhood. Can you just imagine, paint a picture. I'm ready. If he had given him to McGonagall to raise, because McGonagall wouldn't have spoiled him. Like, he wouldn't have been like, oh, I'm famous Harry Potter. Yes, that's my Harry Potter voice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Beautiful. Um, she would have been, like, telling him exactly how he was going to act. He still would have been, like, a good person. I think the point was she wanted, he wanted him to be raised by... Muggles? By, yeah, people who wouldn't know the magical world. Also, um, this comes up later, but Dumbledore does say the reason he had to leave him with Petunia the is because protection. the the protection spell via the bloodline. Uh, good point. I... I know that, but didn't even think about that when I was writing that. Yeah. I just wanted to imagine McGonagall raising Harry, because that would have been adorable, especially when you know, like, McGonagall's backstory yes. with, like, how sad her love life is. I just also think McGonagall <laughs> raising Harry reminds me a little bit of, like, Miss Honey and Matilda. Like, you just want True. you just want them to Great be, like, reference. happy things. Yes. Uh but yeah, so uh, if you're going to keep track with us, that is one for the Dumbledore neglect count. 
I just want to keep talking about foreshadowing because Please I think do. it's great. So young Sirius Black lent it to me. The motorbike. That what did she know about Sirius at the time? Did she know the third book's plot? I don't. I want to know. I want to know. Can, Can you show <laughs> me? <laughs> uh, love. Okay. Yeah. I just needed to know that. Young so. Sirius Black. I, she had to know because she wrote the last chapter first. So I feel like she of had this a, book of all of the books. No, not the 19 years later. She wrote the last chapter. That's what she said in her her autobiography. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I that's didn't know the that. chapter she showed to like her friend or whatever the friend who was like, "This is a magical story. You have to write this into a book." Wow. No, I didn't know. Yeah, but she wrote, is serious in the last chapter. No, but I think because she, she like went backwards. I think she, she knew. Planned. She didn't know everything. Like we all know the festrals. The festrals. <laughs> Just called it. I mean, she tried to like explain it, but just say you made a mistake because that's some bull. Yeah, some bullshit. Like with Cursed Child, just say you made a mistake. Okay. Oh, we'll get to that because I can't even talk about that. Um, yeah, not a fan though. Oof. We have strong feelings. We will not hold back. We'll probably do a special episode on Cursed Child. Yeah. I need some time before I reread it. I think at the end of all of them, we'll do it like True. it's the final installment, which is what J.K. Rowling has billed it as. I'm not even though I'm not really that. accepting that. I think that was my major points. Those are my major points too. I'm glad that you brought up the serious, the Hagrid nod to serious. Yeah. I think I feel like we didn't really talk about Hagrid that much. Oh, yeah. This is also such a great introduction to Hagrid because it shows all of Hagrid's, like, key personality points. He's, He's nurturing. <laughs> and you already trust Dumbledore at this point. And then Dumbledore says, um, I would trust Hagrid with my life, which I think is such a big standout line. Right. And I think Hagrid really kind of gets the shaft later on in the books when, like, more intricate characters are introduced and he and Harry becomes closer to Lupin and to obviously Sirius. And I mean, Hagrid's still obviously a character, but I think his presence in Harry's life gets less. I, I don't agree, know. but I think it's because Harry's like wander. What is that word? Wonderlust. Yeah, wonderlust becomes less. Hagrid becomes less magical less marvelous right. because he is sort of bumbling and harry starts as he gets older he starts to pity him exactly which makes me sad so it makes me sad and it's it's he, like the fourth book on because that's also when he finds out that he's half giant which i don't think is why he's pitying him but he's pitying him for how hagrid reacts to everyone finding out that he's half giant that's when he's like getting read a Skeeter articles about yeah. him. And I mean, the audience is already, also pitying him. And after, it's after three. Which is when... Which is when Harry, he doesn't like him as a teacher. And but he's that's really, so he's, comical. Yeah, and he's fighting to like... I feel... He loves Hagrid all the way Definitely. through. Definitely. But I feel like he's fighting to like see Hagrid as still this like... The giant <laughs> figure, magical <laughs> figure that he was when he first met him because he's the first magical person he really meets. Right, and he's exactly, still, that's important. And that's why he's so defensive to Malfoy and Madame Malkins when uh, Malfoy's like, oh, that bumbling, oh, right. whatever. Which he'll still defend Hagrid. To, to the depth. No the matter depth. what book you're in. But yeah, I think you're right, he becomes less in, in chant, enchanted, enchanted by, by Hagrid, which exactly. is, you know, it is sad. And it's 
one but also kind of understandable. It's realistic, I think. Definitely. That happens to me. There are people that I'm like, oh, wow, you're not as, you know. Yeah. You know, that happens with our parents. Right. You know, and Hagrid is sort of a semi-father figure. Like one, one, one of the, yeah, uncle figure. <laughs> um, one chapter in the seventh Harry, seven Harrys in the seventh book right. is when everyone's trying to figure out who betrayed them, who, like, told the secret. And they all think it's Hagrid. Well, Except for I don't, Harry. I think it's the opposite. Nobody really thinks it's Hagrid. Like, they all think it's, like, Mundungus. Like, they're all trying to figure out who it is. And then Harry, in his own point of view, is like, I thought back to the guy who accidentally told about Voldemort the about the dragons. And he's like, I want to stop trying to figure out who it is because Harry thinks it's Hagrid. Interesting. Which is, we'll have to talk about that more in the seventh book. Yeah. Just, but and that's so, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I love Hagrid. I think he's really sweet. Um, I just, I think that it is, a, I think I agree that it's a good introduction to Hagrid, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more, especially in Keeper of the Keys. Yeah. We're Hagrid. We're Hagrid fans. Right. In this this pod, this pod keyist. Um, so I think that will bring us to a new segment. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. We're going to start our trivia round right now. So Alex and I have each picked out a quote, or we've each picked out two quotes for the other one to finish it or fill in the blank to try and see who knows their Harry Potter trivia better. So I'm going to do... Which is a, a matter of pride, honestly. I'm going to be embarrassed if I do not get these correct. So here's the first one. Come to think of it, he wasn't even sure his nephew was called Harry. He'd never even seen the boy. It might have been... Can you finish that quote? I don't think I can. Oh, boy. I'll give you a hint. There's two two parts to the... It's two names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. Four, oh, my gosh, stop. It might have been Harvey or... All right, play the answer. I don't know. I don't know what... He'd never even seen the boy. It might have been Harvey or Harold. Oh, see, I was going to say Harold, but then I was like, Harold is too close to Harry. It's like Harry is is short for Harold. It's the same thing. I know, but you did pretty well. Um, You got one of them. I'm so mad at myself. I did. That was, I guess, kind of a trick because I did too, but... It's fine. um, I do. My my first one is a two-parter too, so I can't even call it a trick. But you're going to get it. <laughs> I know we said we weren't going to be too hard on each other this this first one, but I, I wasn't sure how hard that was. But. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, here I we just... go. Mr. Dursley was the director of a firm called... Grunnings. <laughs> which made... Which made drills. Cool. Check, check, win. <laughs> Ten points to Ravenclaw. That was, that was um, easier. So. It was easy. <laughs> Ten points to Ravenclaw. Okay, let's see. Let's see the next one. No, sir. House was almost destroyed, but I got him out all right before the muggles started swarming around. He fell asleep as we was flying. Over Bristol. Nice. Yeah. He fell asleep as we was flying over Bristol. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's do my second one. There will be books written about Harry. Every child in our world will know his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did the 
really easy. I wasn't sure. Did this one have two parts also? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to do our chapter champion and our... Reading rats. Which, if you haven't gotten to the third or fourth book, chapter champion is a reference to the Triwizard champion. And reading rat is a reference to um, my personal he who must not be named, uh, Peter Pettigrew, that rat thou who shall not be Gryffindor. I don't know. I hate him. Anyway, um, so we're just going to pick a character that we think was the best and the worst. And at least for me, when I say the best character, I don't always mean like they're a great person, but I think they were just like the best character in the chapter. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Just to be clear. So my um, chapter champion is my boy Vernon Dursley. Yes. <laughs> good Good thing you uh, preface that with your doesn't have to be a great person. Because um, we know he's not fantastic, you know, child abuser, whatever. But <laughs> Vernon Dursley is the chapter champion, I think. You know, all that grunting's work. Yes. Um, my chapter champion is Hagrid because it just always warms my heart when he like brings Harry in and he's crying at saying goodbye to Harry and and then it like harkens back to later when true when he comes to take him to Hogwarts I just think that introduction to Hagrid is so beautiful um I think that's great my Vernon should probably be the reading rat but like I stand by him as the chapter (laughs) champion (laughs) no I love it because I also did like Vernon I I love this little glimpse of Vernon Um, so do you want to say your reading rat? Yeah, my reading rat is a uh, baby Dudley who's kicking Same. people at one year old and being just the worst little shit. Like, get out. He learned his first word, word won't. won't, or in the British version, shan't. Oh, uh, we should have little... Little fun factoids. Yeah. Fun fact, my office does a secret Santa, and I asked for Philosopher's Stone for my secret Santa gift. We write down, like, our, what we want, and I wrote down Philosopher's Stone because I have all the other British versions in first edition, but I don't have that one. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the illustrated version that it says shan't, but yeah, Dudley was my reading rat as well, even though we barely talked about him and he's literally in it for a sentence. He's two sentences. The worst. Anyway. And continues to be until about the seventh book. Yeah, when he says you're not a waste of space. Right. That one line JK again, making a character redeemable with one line of text. Like he really shouldn't be redeemable at all. But in my head, like uh, fun fact, I write fan fiction. In my fan fiction, like, in future lives, Harry has a good relationship with Dudley. What? She kind of alludes to that. Right. Doesn't, or she says it in a post Yeah, thing. one of her yeah. post book mentions. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to call Snippets. those. Her, like, officially unofficial things that she says right. about the world. Um, yeah, so we're also going to rename each chapter, not because we have a problem with what JK named the chapters, because we just think it would be fun to, uh, rename the chapters in, like, a funny or yeah something like that. 
Um, so what did you have, Alex? Um, I had, before I decided to um, do the Dumbledore neglect count, my chapter title was Dumbledore's First Neglect. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think mine probably would have been The Boy Who Was Left Behind. <laughs> so we both, we both. Oh, that one's deep, though, because it's like his parents left him behind because they died. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> and then... So I don't know if ours was that funny, but. <laughs> Look, our first um, game, instead of the quotes, was going to be funniest moment. Uh, fun fact, there aren't very many in the first you, chapter. Okay, so this was my idea to do funniest moment in the first chapter. And I did actually have a funny line, but it's not really haha funny. It's just like me and my weird sense of humor thought it was funny. And it's only, again, my boy Vernon. <laughs> and it's the description of his beefy neck. I just oh, thought it's <laughs> awful. Oh, but I also love Petunia's description where it's Who like. blonde in the book. Note that. It's like she has, like, it compares uh, his beefy neck to her long neck, which she uses to spy on the neighbors, which is also such a great description of who Petunia is. And they both have. I think are in different books described as having twice the amount of normal neck, but Petunia's is long and Vernon's is wide. Oh, oh my god! So that would have been my funniest moment. Um, but maybe we'll do funniest moment in another chapter. Yeah. The next chapter is pretty funny, The Vanishing Glass. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about that. You also um, get your first brush with Sassy Harry, which is my favorite. Favorite Harry, except for you hate the fifth book, so... I hate the fifth book not because of Harry. I like Harry in the fifth book. I actually don't Even think he's, he's moody. Yeah, I don't hate his whininess. I don't. I hate the fifth book because I think it's uncomfortable to be with Umbridge for that amount of time. True. Um. So, because we are called Potter Watch, um, if you have read the seventh book, which I hope you, all of you have. Um, they do on their radio show they have a password for the next week so we'll just say what our password for the next chapter will be um, so you guys will know when to tune in although with the podcast we're gonna put it out regardless <laughs> but just a fun little thing for us to have yeah and later on if uh, more than my dog starts listening to this um, if you can give the chapter, you'll get to, like, request a game that we play or something that we talk about later. There will be little treats. So the password for the next episode of the podcast will be the number of presents that Dudley initially receives. Right. Um, that he threw a little tantrum over. Because our reading rat just... Doesn't know how to quit. (laughs) Um, We'll try not to repeat reading rats too much, but who knows? Who knows? Dudley might be my next week, too. Although my my champion could turn into a rat pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. Understandable. Stay tuned. (laughs) Um, So our last thing we're going to do before ending is award points to the chapter um so this is something we're going to do at the end of every chapter and as it is in the books our points may be kind of arbitrary you know you get five points for killing a troll you get 50 points for being out of bed you know numbers don't really make you sense lose in the 50 books. points for killing um fred no big deal 
<laughs> what? Huh? Oh. Later. I was actually referring to things that happened in the book, though. Like J.K. Rowling. Oh, no, I like know. But I'm just saying in, in coming months, I might take away 50 points. That's like a million points <laughs> subtracted. Um, but so for this chapter, um, I think I will give... A solid 50 points. To, to JK? To JK slash my uh, house, which is Ravenclaw. <laughs> All right. I feel like we can't give them to houses because then I'm just going to be like, I give 100 points to right, Gryffindor. Fine. Um, fine. I'm going to give 50 points to the Dursleys. Because <laughs> this chapter really is about. Yeah. Um, or just number four, Privet Drive. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna also I'm gonna match your fifty for Whoa. this chapter. I think it's a really clever and good way to start the book, even if it's not good for children. It's also just the first chapter, so I think that just gives it extra yeah. points. Mm-hmm. Probably in reality, it's probably like a ten to twenty point chapter. In but... in the big scheme of things, but it starts you off. Her first line is really great. Yeah. It's great. Um, I'm excited to talk about the next chapter because we get a little bit more plot plot and characters. We get to finally talk about Harry as a little 10-year-old. Um, Cutie. When he was, like, sweet and not surly. <laughs> oh, my bubba. Oh, before he was, well, he was scarred, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, listeners, that brings us to the end of another Potter Watch. And we'll be back next week. People meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices, To Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum.